0: Welcome to the Community of Faith podcast, where you will hear the exposition of God's Word taught by Rev. Patrick Parm, Pastor of Faith Community Fellowship in Bristol, Tennessee. If you are in the Bristol area and would like to visit, please join us for Sunday morning worship beginning at 10 a.m. If you're not able to join us in person, join us online. Visit our website, faith-cf.org. That's faith-cf.org. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash faithcommunityfellowshipbristol. That's all one word, faithcommunityfellowshipbristol. Here at Faith Community Fellowship, our goal is to ensure that what we do is edifying to our Heavenly Father. And we hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. Let's join Pastor Pat as he brings us God's Word. We're
1: up to the sixth of the I Am statements of our Lord this morning in the book of John, which brings us to chapter 14. Next Sunday we'll complete this series with I Am the Vine in John chapter 15, but today we are in John 14, and I want to read the first 12 verses of this chapter. This is a very well-known chapter. You hear it quite often, and it's a beautiful, beautiful teaching of our Lord, and we'll read the first 12 verses of chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves." Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Let's pray. Lord, as we continue this service, and we look at this well-known portion of your Word, I ask that you would cause our minds and hearts to be settled down, to focus upon some of the magnificent truth that is revealed here. Every time we read it, it seems something else comes out into our minds by the working of the Holy Spirit. And I ask that as we walk through these verses, familiar as they are, they would also be soothing to the souls of us who are gathered here today that if our hearts have to be, happen to be troubled, that they would not be when we leave here today. Because we will have increased our belief in You. In Jesus' most holy name I pray. Amen. Now we've got to remember the setting of this chapter. You know where Jesus was at this time in His ministry? He had been in the upper room with His apostles there, His disciples. They had just concluded the Passover meal where he instituted the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. The previous week had been very active, very full. He had triumphal entry just a few days previous. He cleansed the temple of the merchants. And these things had caused great opposition from the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. They didn't like the authority He demonstrated. They didn't like the fact that people were beginning to listen and follow Him. But now Jesus, in this setting here, has retired from all this controversy. He's alone with the ones who love Him. The betrayer, Judas Iscariot, He's already been sent out into the night in the previous chapter. And Jesus has just told His disciples He's not going to be with them very much longer. He's going away, and they can't follow Him right now. And in addition to that, He had told Peter that he was going to deny his Lord that very night three times. All these things were revolving around in the minds of the disciples. From their vantage point, a lot of their dreams and their hopes seemed to be going away and being dashed. They had followed the Lord for over three years and left everything in order to do so. They were looking for Him to reestablish Israel as the kingdom of God in this world, but now they're told that that's not going to be the case. It's not going to be the case at all, but Jesus knew there was much more involved. He knew what was coming that very evening. He knew what was coming the next day. And He desired that they would understand what His life and upcoming death was all about. That they would trust Him. That they would follow Him. And that they would believe in Him. It seems kind of strange because they were ones that had been following Him already. They were ones that had been showing trust in Him and believing in Him, but He wants that greatly enhanced. And there's always room for enhancement of those traits in us as well. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, I very seldom get into... To, to talking about Greek in our, in my messages, but in the original that is an imperative. He says, stop your hearts from being troubled. They were troubled. Considering what they had just been listening to, from our vantage point, there's no reason to doubt that. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. They did not understand what was going on. It's a general caution. The hearts of the disciples did not need to be troubled that day because He said, if you believe in God, believe also in Me. The thought, which is in the NIV, is trust in God. Trust also in Me. They believed in God. They knew Jesus was good and Jesus knew that. But they needed to believe and trust in Him as God. You see, no matter what happens, Jesus is sufficient, and if they or we believe in Him the same way that we believe in God and trust Him that much, we will not fear. Sometimes life does seem to be a little confusing. And it can get, from our vantage point, a little bit out of control. But just believe in Him and everything will be fine. There is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear. Fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. He said, if you believe in God, believe also in me, and both are necessary. In our day and time, many people claim to believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. But biblically speaking, that will do us no eternal good. It will do no good for our souls. Jesus is God manifest in the soul, he in our souls. He is the mediator between God and man. It is through Him alone that we have access to the Father. verse says, Believe in God, believe also in Me. Trust Him just as much as we trust God. You see, He is the object of our faith, meaning that He is the One in whom our faith is placed. It is resting in Him. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. He had told them He was going away. He was going back to His Father. But He didn't want His disciples to be troubled by that or us either. He said, in God's house are many mansions. And some translations are read rooms. It doesn't really matter. The idea is the same. Jesus wants us to know He wasn't the only one going to heaven. He is the captain of our salvation. He was made perfect through sufferings, but many sons would be brought to glory. There are many mansions. We read of thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000 over in Revelation 5. And that's going to be a reality when we get to heaven. If it were not so, He said, I would have told you. I would have told you. So I'm going to heaven, but I'm going for a specific purpose. To prepare a place for you. He was speaking originally to 11 individuals. And when we think in terms of heaven, we need to think of individuals. Us in particular. You see, the Bible doesn't know anything about some impersonal force or karma that swallows up, up into infinity. You know, when Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, He came to save His people from their sins, to pay our debt on the cross, to conquer death, hell, and the grave on our behalf, and you ascended into heaven where He ever lives to make intercession for us. And when we get to heaven, we will be known even as we are known. He went away, yes, but He was going for that purpose of preparing a place for us, the individual saints of the living God. And He ties that in with the fact that He's coming back. Verse 3, He said, If I go and prepare a place, then I'm coming back for the specific purpose of receiving you to Myself, that you may be there also. Heaven is being where Jesus is. The location isn't really important. It is being in the very presence of Jesus that is the essence of heaven. And he goes on and says, you know the way to the place I'm going. But the disciples, just like us many times, They they just weren't giddy and all. They simply weren't soaking it all in. They didn't understand what he was talking about. They desired to know. They wanted to know. They just weren't able to understand what he was saying. And so Thomas speaks up and says, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? He just happened to be the one to ask the question first. I'm sure the rest of them were thinking the same thing, and the apostles were looking for an earthly kingdom. And now he tells them they're going away. They weren't thinking in terms of spiritual thinking; they were thinking in physical ways. They were thinking in spiritual uh, about spiritual things, but in physical ways. And Jesus answers the question, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." He was going back to the Father. They didn't understand that yet, but he is the one to whom Jesus was returning to, God the Father. And if we want to come to God, Jesus is the way, the road upon which we must travel, the door into fellowship with God, the good shepherd, that will lead us into the very throne of the presence of the Father. He's not one of many ways. He said, I am the ways, not an option. If you want to get to God, He is the only way. There's only one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Nor is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I am the way and I am the truth. He is the truth of God incarnate. The truth of God personified. The Word of God is the truth of God written. But Jesus is the living truth of God. His teaching is always the true teaching of God. His person is the true representation of God and His revelation is the true knowledge of God as the writer tells us earlier in this Gospel. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. and said, I am the way and I am the truth, and I am the life. Meaning that His life is original. It's not derived like ours. And again, earlier in the Gospel, was written, "In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The life of men. Jesus would later say in John 17, 3, This is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. You see, if we know Jesus, then we know His Father also in verse 7. And and, and you might think, well, didn't the disciples know Jesus? Well, yes, they did. But they had not come to know Him in His fullness yet. They knew He was the anointed one of God. They knew He was the greatest prophet that had ever walked. They knew He was the Messiah, the promised one of Israel. But they hadn't quite grasped the concept that He was literally God. God in His essence, in His totality, in His power, in His wisdom, in total control of everything. God over with power over death and hell. They had not quite fully comprehended John 10 and verse 30. I and my Father are one. But Jesus says, from now on, you know Him and have seen Him. You know Him and have seen Him. And Thomas and his other fellow disciples, they didn't understand, but they would very soon. Jesus knew He was going to be betrayed that very night. He was going to be crucified the very next day. And then He was going to be resurrected three days later, triumphant as God over death, hell, and the grave. And then they would understand who He truly was. Now we cannot grasp everything in these first few verses, but we can learn a lot from them. We need not be troubled. If we are, it is because of a lack of trust in our Lord. Trust is the antidote for fear. David wrote back in Psalm 56, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Paul writes to Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And then another thing that we can grasp and latch on to from this passage is heaven is a reality and the one who knows his own sheep by name has gone before us and is there now preparing a place for us His individual saints. There will be individuality in heaven. And because of Jesus and His Word that we may know where He went, we know the way to heaven because Jesus has revealed it to us. But let's just move on to the, the next few verses here. And he begins to talk a little bit more about himself. He begins to talk in verse eight as, 9 as a response to Philip. Lord, show us the Father. And it is sufficient for us. And the Lord, you can just almost see him turning to look at Philip and saying, Don't you know who I am? I've been with you all this time. You've been with me over three years and you don't know who I am. Have you seen the miracles I do and not realized who I am? Have you seen the wind and the sea obey me and not understood? You asked to see the Father when God has been standing here for over three years in front of you. Every time you see me, you see God. Every time you saw me, you saw the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us The Father. That was partly why their hearts were troubled. They understood some, but not the totality of His deity. Consequently, their trust was incomplete. They didn't fully comprehend John chapter 1 verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Anybody who has seen me has seen the Father. And there is no problem that deity cannot overcome. There is no situation, no circumstance for which God is unprepared. And so if we are struggling, if we seem to have problems and no firm foundation, then we need to listen to Jesus again. Do you trust God? Well, then trust in Him also. Stopping our hearts from being troubled will happen when we comprehend that not only is Jesus God on the pages of Scripture, He's God in our lives today. He was the answer then, and He is the Prince of Peace and Now. And He goes on to talk about His works. In verse 10, he says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, and then he's going to talk about His works, are proof of the same. The theme is exactly the same. He the words that I speak. I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. His teaching was divine. That's why at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, they were astonished because He taught his one that had authority. He said, My miracles prove who I am. Verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or believe me for the sakes of the works themselves. He said, If we are struggling and stumbling, then read about His miracles. Trust in His miracles. They prove who He is. He spoke the words of His Father, and He did the works of His Father. You remember the blind man back in John chapter 9? When he answered the Pharisees, he says, nobody's ever heard of anybody opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he knew, he could do nothing. And his works will continue as long as the world continues. In verse 12, he said, I tell you assuredly, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also greater works than these He will do because I go to my Father. You see, if we do the will of God, we're doing what Jesus did. He did the will of the Father. And you read that phrase, greater works than these He will do. And you wonder now, how could that possibly be? I mean, Jesus raised the dead. Jesus raised Himself from the dead. Jesus cast out demons. Well, I think He's talking about quantity, not quality. He gives us the reason. Because I go to my Father. But the work of God continued on. If you read through the book of Acts, you see all types of wonderful works as Jesus did performed by the apostles and other members of the early church. Jesus returned to the Father and He began to prepare a place for us in anticipation of the time that when He comes back that we can go to be where He is today. For For us today, in terms of stopping hearts from being troubled, consider His teaching. If your heart is in trouble, you're going to meet people whose hearts are. We're going to run into them. And we can show them the way to have that taken care of. And the way to do that is consider His teaching. Have there not been countless times in our lives when we were upset, Our thoughts were unsure. Our spirits were uneasy. and we just sat down and read the Word of God and prayed to the Father through the Spirit and peace began to steal back into our minds once again. Has that not happened in our lives over and over? Consider His miracles. There are wonderful miracles on the pages of Scripture. But what about in our lives? What about in our lives? The greatest miracle in our life is salvation itself. God has to spiritually raise us from the dead, make us sons and daughters of God, and gives us continual fellowship with Him. It is a wonderful miracle that we enjoy every day. If we, if He can do that, if He can save us, He can handle whatever is going on in our lives today. You see, sometimes circumstances do get a little bit mixed up from our vantage point. Maybe life isn't what we had always dreamed or hoped, but it's very helpful to remember the works of our Lord and to remember and read the mighty acts of God in the Bible, but also to meditate upon the great works of God in our lives. The old Gospel hymn states it this way, Count your many blessings and name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. And I found that to be true in my life. Paul tells us in Romans 5, Rejoice in sufferings. Rejoice in hope that does not disappoint because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. If we remember the works He has performed us in the past, just like He's telling us in this chapter, then it's a great source of comfort to us in the presence. The same Lord that worked miraculously then can work miraculously now. And a sure cure for a troubled heart is to remember the mighty works of God in our personal lives and meditate them upon them and begin to praise God for them for His mighty acts to the children of men. Another thing I have found to be true, a heart filled with praise is not going to be troubled very long. It'll lift it out of there. We'll get back to looking to God. Trust in His person. Trust in the evidence of His miracles. Praise Him for His power in our lives. Walk in obedience to His Word. And do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, what a powerful passage of Scripture this is. And I thank You for recording it in the Gospel of John. But I also thank You for making it a reality in our lives. And I pray for each one of us in this room, from time to time when we are tempted to let our hearts be troubled, to stave that off by trusting in You, just as we trust in God. And when we run into others in our daily walk, whose lives may be mixed up and from their vantage point out of control and they don't have a solid foundation, may we point them to the way, the truth, and the life. The one through whom we must come to the Father to obtain salvation. We love You in Jesus' most holy name.
0: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Pat, for another wonderful message from God's Word. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to Pastor Pat's message. If this has been a blessing to you, please like and follow this podcast and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to support this ministry and the other ministry opportunities at Faith Community Fellowship, please visit our website, faith-cf.org support. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Community of Faith.